Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of We Can Just Say. Of If We Can Just Say. Sometimes I feel like it just blurs together. Welcome to If We Can Just Say. <laughs> I'm your host, Jessica Carter Ogle. And with me, as always, is my husband and co host, Stephen Ogle. <laughs> Say hi to the people, Stephen. No, no need to record a blooper <laughs> or, or worry about where, where if we'll have a blooper. Just right off the bat, blooper city. Yeah. I mean, hey, man. Hey, everybody. This is how it is. This is how it is. Yeah. We just record. We exactly. hit the record button and see what happens. Yeah. Sometimes it's uh, comedy gold like that, and uh, sometimes it's not at all. I'm always gold. I'm like a freaking gold bar. Uh, well, where's the money that goes along with that gold bar? Oof, well, boy, like I tell with you. most things, it's, you know, it's off. Like, it doesn't always match up. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Good times. Yeah. Cool. Any movie, what's it? So what's going on in the world of... If we could just like... <laughs> Not much, and it's <laughs> straight up lovely. Oh yeah. my gosh, again. Again, she's going if after If y'all remember my, last go- week... She's so decided Batman. not to do anything until we started, and she went right over the bookcase and started sniffing all his toys. She goes right after Batman. She did it again. Two weeks in a row. Well, she's the Dark Knight. Did if, you, maybe that's the thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. she's like, you guys, I'm the Dark Knight. Yeah. So, uh, oh, my gosh, she's staring right at me. Look somewhere else, kid. You're freaking me out. <laughs> so you were saying? Uh, nothing, really. Nothing, really. Cool. Yeah, we don't have much going on in our lives, and I, for one, love it. I mean, I guess it doesn't make a podcast very entertaining, but no offense, guys, I don't care. <laughs> well, uh, we did watch uh, University of Michigan win the national title. We did. Which was fantastic. I think I Go fell blue. asleep after that last touchdown. Yeah. I was like halfway in and out, and I was like, I think they got it. Yeah. And I drifted. Yep. And, uh, and that Strong was... in the comfort of knowing that they had it. Yep. That was it, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, our football teams around these parts are doing pretty good. Which is, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, that they won on Monday, and then on Sunday night, the Lions won by one point, which... Doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. That's right. Growing a family. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Winning's winning. Yeah. You know, and uh, R- Ricky texts me, and he's like, man, they got really lucky. I, and and I had already sent him the the winnings, winning thing. Yeah. And I said, again. <laughs> and then I just copy and pasted what I had said before. Winning is winning. It does yeah. not matter how much. I mean, nobody talks about um, baseball games when they win by one point. Nobody's yeah. ever like, ooh, they squeaked by. Yeah, I mean, lucky or not, they made it to the playoff. Like, they were. They won their division. Yeah. They won their first round game. The Dallas Cowboys lost. I would I would say sorry to the Cowboys fans, but I'm not really sorry because I hate them. Let's, so I not, I so know. yay rah with the Cowboys losing, and not just like losing in like sort of like a like a oh man they lost by one point. No, they lost by like 16 points. I mean they got. I, I think I need to veto that you're not allowed to talk about the Cowboys on the podcast. I will say an interesting fact about that, though, is that um, the uh, Green Bay Packers now have a better record in Cowboys Stadium in the playoffs than the Cowboys do. Huh. The Packers have won three times in, in uh, Cowboys Stadium, and Dallas, I think, has won maybe one time in Cowboys Stadium, their own stadium during the playoffs, which is hilarious to me that Packers have beat them now three times in well, the playoffs. Well, I, I look forward to watching the next Lions game. And, y'all, I don't know much about football. So I went 
upstairs to go to bed and I put the game on because Steven was coming up to watch the end of it and I'm like watching it and I'm like all right first down second down I'm like all right we should be like fourth down I think and something happened and they were like okay second down and I was like well I don't know what the hell is going on but I know that it's football that's that people that and is, I know we won that is just cool. and I thought I was like oh I think I'm getting somewhere and then I was like, well, I thought it was this that was happening, and it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I wish someone could explain to me what that was, but I was by myself, so there was no one to help me. <laughs> so anyway, that's that. And maybe next week I will be able to get some answers. <laughs> yep. That's all I can say. Yep. So Anyway, so that's all we did. Um, we watched football, and Stephen made me do a puzzle with him. We're working on a puzzle, yeah, the puzzle that you got me for for Christmas. I don't like to puzzle. I've never puzzled in my life, and I always said I hate puzzling, and it's not for me. But I bought Stephen a puzzle for Christmas because he wanted a puzzle, and I was like, I'm not doing the puzzle with you. But, like, I was sick of watching TV, and my brain was, like, overloaded with work, and I'm like, I can't watch TV. My brain's too overloaded. I don't even want to, like, play cards because I don't want to think. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do something that, doesn't even feel right, but I'm going to do it. Do you want to open your puzzle? And he was like, oh, my God. And I will say, really enjoyed it. <laughs> Nobody understood you, <laughs> just like when you introduced the podcast at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Nobody understood it. I enjoyed it. I'm surprised I did. It was like, wow, I totally like focused on something else. Like I feel like yeah. I was too brain dead to even like read and focus on like it'd be like if i was reading and all of a sudden you find you're reading the same page over and over again yeah like i could like just zone out and like put this i got him dogs playing poker yeah that photo yeah and pretty cool i could just zone in on putting this puppy's eyes together while he's holding his cards speaking of zoning in the snow really zoned in oh on us my this word yeah Woo, we got hit hard and and we got hit hard with cold because yeah. today, I think the high was 6 degrees. The low last night was negative 2. They said that literally if you were outside with exposed skin for more than 10 minutes, you could ex start to experience frostbite sensations and stuff, or lack of sensation, however that works. I even put the heat up last night, and I am a real Scrooge when it comes to the yep. cost of energy around this place. I'm like, what? You're cold? Get a blanket. Yep. So it was uh, crazy. Yeah. Crazy weather is what we're getting. It is yeah. it is cold. I we mean, probably got what four to five inches of snow. I'd say somewhere around four, four inches. Yeah, and then it just and there was heavy wet snow, and then we got the negative temperatures with the wind chills. Like felt like negative eighteen or whatnot. So yeah, so it it's been brutal. And then the next two days, like today's high was supposed to be eleven. I think the next two days the high is only like six degrees or something like that. And then we're supposed to be, Wednesday. I think supposed to be like seventeen because we have to take Soph to the vet, and I'm like. I want her to at least be in the double digits to push her butt across the parking lot. Yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be no fun. Anywho. But yeah. Yeah. So. Good times. Yeah. So nothing's going on with us. That's about it. Watching football, relaxing, which is a really nice start it's, to the new year. Yeah. It's cold. It's dark. Um, we have had some sun, which has been nice. But other than that, like it's just nice to have a chill start to the year. The year ended with such a busy, just flurry of 
plans and people and things and which was lovely and wonderful but it's been nice to chill so yeah and and we've watched a handful of movies which we'll talk about on another podcast um we started a new show i think we mentioned that we started suits didn't we yeah. didn't mm-hmm. we already mention that yeah. well, shout out to ricky because ricky's been telling me to watch suits for like i don't know 10 years however long the show's been out i can see why he would like that show yeah i totally i i guarantee you he, he, his favorite character is harvey oh guarantee yeah for it. sure like please he, are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah great great show so far we made it through a season we're on season two now um, yeah. I like the fact it's a short so a short seasons. Oh yeah, I can't subscribe to the. I've talked about this on here. The twenty-two episode kind of life is not my life anymore. Unless it's a half-hour show. Like if it's a half-hour show, cool because it doesn't take as long to watch yeah. it. But like I don't want twenty episodes. I'm I'm glad that Blacklist ended for for nothing else than for the fact that I don't have to watch a show now that's twenty something episodes a season. Yeah. Like, I, I'm done. The only one I still like to watch is a little show called Golden Girls that you can watch on Hulu. Yep. And, yeah, I still watch them. Yeah. So. That's the only one that, that uh, I, I would consider watching now that's, yeah. like, over that many episodes. Because I just, I, I don't want, mm-hmm. I don't want to. I've gone through so many, like, trying to pick a show to watch, and I've ended up watching Bull. Because yeah. I'm just like, eh, I don't want to watch anything. I don't want to start a new show. Well, that's watching. What's going on in the vein of listening? What do you got for us in terms of album anniversaries? Well, uh, album anniversaries this week um, are stuff we did last year on episode 44. So if you want to hear the album anniversaries for this week, tune in to episode 44 from our previous, and you'll hear us talk about a few different people. Uh, I can give you a heads up on what those are. Bob Dylan, Glenn Hanzer, John Mayer, just to name a few. Um, of the artists that we hit for their album anniversaries for episode 44. Nobody knew, and so we're not going to be rehashing same stuff that we have talked about, which I'm sure we've done here and there on stuff inadvertently, but we're not going to knowingly do the same content. Unless it's something that just like, you know, an album that we just absolutely love and like to rave about or whatever, or something that ended up on our awards for last year. Whenever that album anniversary comes up, we'll probably hit those. But there's always something different that we might be able to do in the realm of music for, so for this one. So for today, uh, on January 19th, 1943, Janis Joplin was born. Yes. So Janis Joplin. So she's our album anniversary this week is Janis Joplin. And what what do we got to say about Janis Joplin? Janis Joplin was amazing. She was a singer with a voice unlike anyone else. You can read any critic, any reporting from Rolling Stone, from any magazine, anywhere. And they will all be saying that her voice is a voice like no other. And that is just an absolute fact. Yep. Um, She, unfortunately, died at 27 as part of the 27 Club, which I know you've all heard about. We'll talk about more in depth on another episode. Um, but she died on October 4th, 1971, of what they're calling a heroin overdose. Um, yeah. That she also There's also reporting that she tripped and fell on shag carpeting in her heel, and that contributed. She hit her head, and she happened to have also done heroin. So chicken in the egg was it an overdose? Was it that she hit her head? There's like, you know. Yeah, I, I remember at one point reading like stuff. I, I remember at one point reading about her and Jimi Hendrix both dying from uh, throwing up in their sleep on their back. 
And I, I haven't heard that about her, from her. Yeah. I know somebody that happened to, though, in real life. Yikes. That um, sucks. But, yeah, that's the way Hendrix went. They said is that he threw up in his sleep while sleeping on his back, and nobody rolled him over. She's amazing, though. She, She's somebody that was always, like, tortured, though. Yeah. In her, she was someone that was, you know, a little bit different. She was someone that was kind of bullied and made fun of in school. She was someone who didn't always perfectly fit in where she where she was, but yep. she was someone who was so incredibly passionate and talented and had so much to give, so much life and energy to give the world, and I think never really found a place where she fit in that world. And it's incredibly sad. And in her life, like, she's so incredibly famous – and she is on four albums. Yes. She she sang with Big Brother and the Holding Company, which is where she kind of got started famous on two albums with them. Yep. She had one solo album while she was alive. And then her second solo album, Pearl, which was her nickname, was released posthumously in 71. That is like all her mainstream like albums. Yeah. And, and she's so incredibly talented and so incredibly famous. And that's like, that's like her main albumography, her discography. If you get the legacy version of Pearl, the second disc is all live concert footage from being in Montreal and Toronto, I believe, or mm -hmm. Vancouver, where she was doing a short, uh, couple of canadian shows to prepare for touring for pearl so it's songs off of there but it's other songs as well yeah uh, but she was preparing for that yeah. like she had been in the studio and and i've read stuff about uh the liner notes i guess i could say i read the liner notes that were in the the legacy edition of the album and the producers you know talk about the fact that like she was always so curious about the recording process she sat down she wanted to learn it like yeah. she wanted it she didn't just want to go stand in front of a microphone and sing it she wanted to know what they were doing with their vocals and their levels and what are they doing with this with the guitar how are they recording the drums like she got involved in the process because yep. she cared about her music and she was a true artist yeah um her, obviously her and uh chris christopherson they spent some time together she yep. did she did a song that was his me and bobby mcgee that's one of my favorite songs of hers. Like, it's his song. He sings it as well. And then she sang it. And he might as well never sing it again. And he was around for her recording yeah. on Pearl. Um, they were living in the same area at the time. So they spent a lot of time together. So he had some influence there, which yeah. was cool. Um, which, if you've never listened to Chris Christopherson, shout out to him, man. He's a great songwriter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, you know... You mentioned tortured. Like, when she was on stage, everybody clamored to see her. Yeah. But as soon as she stepped off stage, she could walk past you on the street, and you wouldn't believe it was her. Yeah. And I don't I don't know that I've seen via watching documentaries and stuff that she got the respect when she yeah. was off stage. She got tons of respect when she was on stage, but as soon as she walked off stage, it was just like, oh, she's just another person. And nobody, people didn't take her seriously. And that's what I was reading about in the, the legacy version as the producer talking about how, like, she was so underrated on her care about the music. And 
and being involved in the process from the beginning to the end. So. If you get the opportunity to watch a documentary, Little Girl Blue, that came out in 2015 on PBS about her, it's fantastic. Yep. It's a really great documentary about her. And I mean, just it, I mean, it's the drug scene back in the day. And, you know, she yep. got into it. She got clean. She went home. She, you know, she did some music. She got clean. She went home back to her parents. She enrolled in college. She was going to have a different life. And she then got back into music. And she always was scared that she could never be in music without doing drugs. And when she got back into music, she made bandmates and stuff promise there'd be no drugs in the house. There'd be nothing around. And she came home one day to people doing shooting up like mescaline and she freaked out. And they're like, no, it's no big deal. And she's like, I can't be around this. Like she tried so hard, but it was everywhere. Back then, if you were in the music scene, you couldn't get away from that. I, I don't, I mean, you yeah. just, it was there. It was everywhere. It was commonplace almost. I mean, when she played in Woodstock, she got there and she had to wait like 10 hours to go on stage for all these other bands to play. And all she did, I mean, they did drugs and drank that whole time. She wouldn't even let her voice be on the Woodstock documentary or the soundtrack because she hated how it sounded because she was like drunk and high up there. Wow. She's only on the 25th anniversary director's cut singing a song. Wow. She wouldn't let her stuff be in that. Wow. That's crazy. So like I like what a con like you know you get that opportunity and then so I, I don't know. I sent you something this week cuz I don't know how I found it but it was people talking about Janis Joplin but it was the lost audition tape yeah of Brittany Murphy trying out for a Janis Joplin biopic. Yes. And it's it's 12 or 15 seconds super short but like man it wow it sounded like janice joplin it I, sounded like it her. was amazing yeah it was crazy did you know the movie the rose with bette midler is loosely on janice joplin i did not know it that. was originally supposed to be entitled pearl and janice joplin's parents changed their minds about signing off on it huh and so they changed it to the rose and made it more fictionalized and not necessarily specifically about Janis Joplin, but that's who it's based off of. And that's what it was supposed to be a biopic about her. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I did not know that. Um, let's talk for a second. I'll, I'll, I'll start first, but let's talk for a second about our, our mothers. Our mothers are huge fans of Janis Joplin. Huge. Huge. Um, if you go back and listen to our first uh, or second podcast, we talk about uh, the first date that we had, and 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 I asked her uh, who her favorite artist was, and she immediately said Janis Joplin. And so we got to talk about Janis Joplin, and then it quickly turned to how our mothers were huge fans of Janis Joplin, and how our mothers are what got us into Janis Joplin. Which I also like on a first date, like I was like, wow, all right, we're already we're clicking on something that I've never clicked with anybody before on the fact that our mothers both that that's their favorite artist is Janis Joplin. Crazy. People used to tell my mom that she looked like Janis Joplin back in the day. Yeah. I remember being out once and um I was told that as well. And I like called my mom, I remember, and told her told her that. Yeah. But yeah, I I love her. Like she's so cool. Yep. She really is. On the spot, 
give me your favorite three Janis Joplin songs. Okay, my favorite three. Yep. Sorry, I'm a unless, little out of breath. I just had to go under the couch and get a dog toy. Unless, um, unless you can give me five. If you can give me five, uh, you know what? We've been talking about this lately. Give me your Mount Rushmore Janis Joplin songs. Okay. Me and Bobby McGee. All right. Get it while you can. Yep. Peace of my heart. And try. That is insane because those are my top four. Seriously? Yes. Absolutely. Not in that order. Get it while you can is number one. Yeah. Uh, Peace of My Heart is number two. I talked about my mom, but my dad loved Janis Joplin as well. And every time I hear Peace of My Heart, like I get choked up because I think about my dad. Um, and then Try, man, I mean, come on. Yeah. The way she screams oh, Try yeah. is yep. so cool. Um, and then me and Bobby McGee, I put that last, but I do like it. And, yeah. and a very, very close fifth for me is Summertime. Yeah. And that's because that was one of the first... That's, First songs I learned on guitar when I was 13 or 14 years old was learning Summertime. That's my other one on here. Which, if you've ever heard uh, House of the Rising Sun, it's House of the Rising Sun, slightly different. And, man, it's great. Cool. So, but, yeah, I my dad was a huge fan of Janis Joplin. Oh, yeah, my mom, too. Yeah. So, my mom, my dad, both listening. And my dad was like, here, here's a song for you to learn how to play that'll help you out, that'll give you a different side of blues that you really don't that you haven't got with Hendrix and B.B. King. And I was like, okay, cool. And Stevie Ray Vaughan. And he's like, all right, try this. And so I started trying to figure out summertime. And I could I could, I could, could muddle my way through it now. But, like, when I learned it, I learned it. They did, like, a one-woman Janis Joplin show that came out on Broadway of her um, singing songs and telling stories, kind of similar to the Simon and Garfunkel one we went to. Okay. I did not get to go because I was out of town at the time, but my mom and dad went, and I'm very disappointed and if it ever comes back. But yeah. just a few things on her. In 95, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, in 05, she got the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh. 2013, she got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, the Little Girl Blue documentary came out in 2015, and in 2023, she was named 78 on Rolling Stone's Greatest Singers of All Time. 78? Yeah. That's really low. Little, I mean, granted. High. Low or high? It's 78 was 100 number, like the... I, I don't know how many there were, How many? to be honest. You don't know how many there were? No. If it's a top 100, man, she's in the bottom quarter of of the top 100 that's know. crazy that dog was just like going yeah, uh, yeah. oh my gosh anyways the um, dog they said <laughs> uh yeah i mean granted uh 78 out of all the singers of all time i mean that's pretty high uh but i would still put her higher than 78 that's just yeah. me but wouldn't you put her lower then no she would be closer to number one yeah so that's higher that's higher i carambas okay we're saying the All right, same thing. don't don't take we're this lack of thing. knowledge on football over to other things we're now. Come on now. Thing. Anyway, keep it together. Janice Joplin's amazing. She's one of our favorites. Yes. yes, indeed. Yes. Let us know if you've got a favorite song of hers, or any sort of uh, any special or anything you've seen that you recommend us watching. We would love to. So yeah, give us, us your know. give us your Mount Rushmore Rushmore of uh, Janice Joplin. Yes. Yes. Yep. Cool. What is next? Um, we've had, we, we mentioned that there's uh, shows and uh, movies, or I mentioned earlier that there's shows and movies that we have watched and not talked about. So 
let's hit a hit a couple of those. You, you feel like hitting a couple of those today? Yeah, this is like some of your superhero stuff, though. Why are you being cagey? Ah, I'm not being cagey. I'm just, you know. If you're acting like it's not. Like... I'm sorry. I was making conversation. Oh, God. <laughs> your favorite. <laughs> I'm, being prof- I'm being professional. I'm making conversation. I'm always trying to be professional, folks. But he's, this my is wife his, has He's catching no... up on Marvel and DC stuff for the end of the year. My wife has no interest in me being professional. Yet I try. You could have ended with my wife has no interest in me. Mm. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess I could have. Anyway, let's start I with DC I and their could've. nonsense. Yeah, let's start with DC's nonsense. So DC man. Hashtag team warm. Uh the final movie from the DCEU that started with the Zack Snyder's uh Man of Steel, the final movie in that selection of DC movies that's not related to James Gunn is Aquaman and the Last Kingdom. I'm in the minority here. I do not like Jason Momoa as Aquaman, so I'm glad this is over. (laughs) He does not do it for me. He just looks unshowered. (laughs) And for a man of the sea, how on earth could you somehow look unclean? Literally live under the water. <laughs> um, I have to say that I, I like Jason Momoa's Aquaman. It works. I don't like It's that. not the goofy green and orange stupid looking. Like his outfit was in the movie? No. Because I didn't like that. His outfit isn't normally like that throughout the entire movie, which I like. They give him something else. They use like another... From the comic books, they use like another universe version of him that's got covered in tattoos and stuff. He's okay. I mean, it's fine. I just, I don't like Aquaman. I just don't like the blonde, the blonde version of him with no tattoos that wears orange and green. It's just boring. And I think Jason Momoa brought more to this character being having long curly hair that's black. He doesn't, already off the bat, his hair's a different color. He's got tons of tattoos, which I'm a tattoo guy, so I like that. Um, But... Uh, him and Orm in this movie were, uh, spoiler alert, they were, is a bit of a buddy cop film. And I like a good buddy cop film. I do as well. I think that, I think that that was a good choice for this film. I liked the first one, the first Aquaman, but I feel like with the second Aquaman, I feel like that they moved the story forward in a way that wasn't a rehash of the first movie. They gave us a recap in the beginning a little bit. Um, I did like which, how they did that, which was cool. Yeah, because he was talking to his son. That was a cool way to start the movie. Yeah, that 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 got a chuckle out of me for sure because it was it was fun. Um, it was funny too because in my head I was going, "This is so cheesy," and then I realized what he was doing as he was saying. And some people thought this was silly, but I didn't think. And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, I get it." <laughs> My biggest complaint from the first movie was the underwater talking bubbles that everybody was in. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand why they needed oxygen bubbles under the sea, and those are gone. So that was nice. That was a Zack Snyder thing, and I'm so glad they moved on from that. I can't stand Zack Snyder. <laughs> um, but this movie was good. Uh, if you're if you're uh, part of the folks that don't like Amber Heard, she was literally in the movie for like nine or ten minutes maybe. Uh, on a movie that was an hour and 56 minutes. Um, her part in the movie was totally, uh, I guess I would say it worked. It was, she was there for when she needed to be, but the movie's not, you know, the movie's not called Hera. So uh, she doesn't need to be in the entire movie, which was fine. Um, 
Nicole Kidman, her part in the movie was a little bit smaller too, and I was I was fine with that as well because, like I said, this movie is it, it was a buddy cop film, and they focused on Aquaman and Orm, and I thought that was great. I think um, the guy uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, Yaha Abdul Mateen uh, Two, that's his name. He played Black Manta. He's fantastic. He was good. He is fantastic. I like him a lot. Um, I, I liked him. I think that there is a lot of potential uh, for him in the future. Uh, I look forward to what he's going to do because that's one thing about this Aquaman series being over is that he's going to go do something else. And I- it's probably not going to be superhero related, which the only thing superheroes that he's done is that he's done Watchmen. He's done uh, Matrix Resurrections, and he's done Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. So uh, I think that this will be, I I think for him, I'm looking forward to see what he's going to do next, because I hope he does something that's not in the realm of superhero and get me, get on the drama stage and, and do something great. Yeah, I mean, this movie was fine. Yeah. It like was what it was. They gave Randall Park a bigger role, which I like Randall Park. Yeah, I mean, it was an Aquaman movie. It was a superhero movie. Yep. It was fine. Yep. Do I, like, do I really like any of these movies? Eh. So, for me to, like, give it a, like, oh, my gosh, it was good, it would have to be, like, Guardians of the Galaxy good. And, no, it wasn't. It was just fine. So... When we look at the DC movies, because this is the end Thank God. of the Snyder stuff before we start James Gunn, what movie do you think about that was one that sticks out to you the, the most that was your favorite movie out of all of them? All of the DC movies and this whole bitch and of the whole thing? With Henry Cavill. Like Wonder all the, Woman and everything? All of them, yeah. What did I like? Yeah, what's, what, what did you like out of those? The first Wonder Woman. Yep. And only the first Wonder Woman, if I cannot, I cannot emphasize that enough. <laughs> um, nothing to do with um, any sort of leagues or V Supermans or any kind of nonsense like that. I liked Wonder Woman. I liked the first Shazam and only the first Shazam. I cannot emphasize that enough. <laughs> and I liked the Flash movie. Yeah. And I'm pretty certain that's it. I I liked the Flash movie as well. That Blue Beetle movie wasn't bad. Blue Beetle was pretty good. Yeah, that was kind of fun. And I, I and that I was think sort of, I enjoyed that being kind of a one-off. And like I, he was like But he's going to be a part of what James Gunn does for. So he doesn't count then in that, he, in that. I don't think he technically counts because okay. they've made it to where he didn't there was no appearance of anybody else from right. the Snyderverse okay. at all. Then so he's going to be part of with forward. my three that I had said yes. Um, I would say, uh, for me, Man of Steel. I still think Man of Steel is one of the best superhero movies that we've ever gotten I mean, the opportunity to see. I you keep saying this, and I, I just wonder, did I see something else? I just, I, I like, love it. I, I don't mean this literally, but I'm like, do I need to watch it again? Like, I don't understand. I think that Hans Zimmer did the perfect score for Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Henry Cavill played the part well. I think everything down to 
his Clark Kent and his Superman. It was amazing. No, he and, is good. And he got yeah. shortchanged, and I will never, me like many other fans, will never get over the fact that he never got a second Superman movie, and he never got to legitimately play that role after Man of Steel. All he did was show up and ben stuff. Ben Affleck never even got a movie. Ben Talk Affleck about never being got a movie. shortchanged. So for me, I would say that my favorite movies are Man of Steel. Um, I liked Flash a lot. I did like the Zack Snyder Justice League. I thought it was brilliant, and I thought that it gave us it gave us a peek into where Zack Snyder was going, and it'll always be one of those what-if scenarios. And um, I know that Zack Snyder disappointed on a lot of things, and I feel like it still probably would have been disappointing if he had continued to make the Justice League. But I think that what a lot of fans are going to hold on to is what it looked like in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And they'll always wonder if that would have been great. And it would not have <laughs> been. Um, the other movie uh, for me is something that the new the hashtag is release the David Ayers cut which is the original Suicide Squad with... It didn't, you haven't, you don't have me watch that one. I did not have you watch that one, but I'm going to, because I think that movie, even though... That they, was crazy to me that you didn't have me watch that. I, I don't know. Of all the things that you make me watch. I didn't have you watch that one, but I liked that one a lot. I liked the score for it. I liked that they did something different. Um, I'm interested in the David Ayer cut. I hope it comes out sometime this year or soon. Because I think that I follow him on Twitter and he talks about all these things that like were never in the movie and how his movie was more serious and how it was more like Training Day meets, you know, L.A.'s Finest, which is like his his type of movies that he does where it's more gritty. Um, so I hope we get that movie. But I like the casting for everything. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody did well in the cast. Joel, everybody from Joel Kinnaman to Viola Davis to Margot Robbie and Will Smith. They all did great in this movie. My issue is very rarely the casting in some of this DC stuff. Yeah. Um, it's the execution. Yep. So Some, some is casting <clears throat> Pattinson, but a lot of it <laughs> is execution. Yeah, and that's not part of these movies either because that's yeah. its own. Well, I just it's, felt it it's needed a, to be said. Its own world. Um, I did like the Shazam film. I thought the first Shazam film was good, and obviously the first Wonder Woman. I was gonna. The say. first Wonder Woman would round up my top four. That so was I'd say one Man of, of Steel. Our first movie night date. So I would say Man of Steel. I would say Wonder Woman. I would say Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I would say The Flash. And so then no Suicide. Suicide Squad okay. would be my would squeak in at number five. All right. Well, as more things arise in this next phase of DC under Mr. James Gunn. You can be sure that your friends at If We Can Just Say will keep you posted. <laughs> Moving on to Marvel, what have you for us, Mr. Ogle? What have you for us? Um, Loki, season two. Loki and the Tree of Life. This We are going to spoil Loki. So if you have not watched Loki, oh. I recommend going to watch Loki. Um, yeah, we're going to spoil Loki, What If, and Echo. So Yes, uh, we're going to sp- spoil them pretty, pretty well here. Um, Loki. So if, if you're if you're done, you get an early reprieve from the episode. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter. If we can just say it, <laughs> gmail.com. Tell your friends, like, listen, and subscribe. Steven, <laughs> Loki. Um, Tom Hiddleston getting to do Loki in season one was fun. 
It was fun. It was cool. It was this nice little alternate story come out of Endgame. He's got the Tesseract. He ends up with the TVA, and it's in this crazy, wacky world where they're trying to get rid of variants. And then we get introduced to Kang, of which we got in the Mm Ant-Man film. But season two, everything was on the line. Season two, for me, was way better than season one. Everything... High stakes. Because season one, I was like, I don't know if I even care if anybody lives. The the stakes for season one were high because people were dying, and it was all this he who remains at the end of time that was killing people. Right. And season two was about the fact that this he who remains is dead. Where's the gatekeeper now? Right. And what happens? And the chaos that ensues. And they did such a brilliant job with all the characters of Hunter B-15 and Mobius and Sylvie and, the new and Ravona. Like, Ravana. Ravana. Um, and, like... The new character. The new character, Obi. Obi was fantastic. If you don't know who that is, that's Key... Key... Hai Kwan? He was Data from the Goonies. He and was in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Short round from yes, Temple of Doom. He's uh, he was so great. He was he was needed. Like, uh, it's it's funny when a character comes on a show, and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know what we were missing, but this is it. This was needed on this show. He yes. was a good. He was just a good addition. His character balanced the other characters. And it he worked really well with everybody. I think, I think in a way, um, part of the time, part of his dialogue, he was the fan in us. Yes, yeah, I agree. He was the he was the nerd and out guy. It was fun. Him and Jonathan Majors. I was going to pl- say him and Victor Timely talking to each other. They played off each other so well I, in this show, and I. We're I'm, not- Okay, well, we're not going to get into the whole Jonathan Majors thing. I will never presume to know what goes on in people's personal lives, people's relationships. I will not speak to that. I will say it sucks because Jonathan Majors was amazing in this show. As Kang, what Marvel was doing with him, he was great. So it sucks that people's personal lives can't be under control and they make horrible choices and bad decisions and things whatever because he was great as victor timely he was he was just great in this like i he got me to enjoy loki the season which i didn't really enjoy it that much last season i was just like whatever i don't really care other than aesthetically with like that muted like orange green 1970s decor which is straight up my alley yeah that was basically my favorite part about the show. <laughs> but he was so good in it. And I feel like, am I even allowed to rave about his acting on there? Am I going to get like yelled at? I don't know. But it was good nonetheless. I don't know him as a person. I can't speak to what happened in his life. But he was really good. And his chemistry with everybody was really good. The whole cast chemistry this season is they're working on figuring out how to save the TVA, how to save lives, how to save the branches so people don't die. Their chemistry as like a little ragtag group was great. Yeah, and they played with time big time this season, way more than the first season. Yeah. Um, 
The other cool thing I think is that uh, Sophia de uh, Martino playing Sylvie, her character, the change and shift from season one to season two was ever so slight. Yeah. They kept her very much in a, for lack of a better term, hard-headed. And I liked it because you could see her point of view. Yeah. And you could agree with her point of view. But at the same time, you could see Loki's point of view and agree with Loki's. And they put those two up against each other that were friends and maybe more than or maybe not. But at the same time, they come to each other with completely opposing points of view. And their scenes together were just gold. Absolute gold, those two on the screen together. Agreed. Um, the interesting thing is, is that you get Loki at the beginning of season one, who is a selfish, self-absorbed narcissist, wants to put everybody under his thumb, only out for himself, for his glorious purpose. And by the end of season two, you get a guy who has literally will and do sacrifice everything for everyone. His entire self. He sacrificed everything to keep the timelines alive. And the way they do it, my my jaw was on the floor. It was one of the most visually awesome things I've seen Marvel do. I would put it up against almost everything they've done in the movies. Visually, what they did for the end of Loki. Like, still, I think about it just about every day. It pops into my head of that visual of what happened with him, which I won't spoil that part. That was fantastic visually. I Just absolute awesome. Yeah. And then we watched What, what if? if Season 2, which picks up with... Uh, the first episode being about Nebula. Yep. So if you don't know what What If is, What If is this uh, series. Of, uh, they've animated. done. Co- it's an animated series, but in the comic books, it was basically like uh, take the Civil War storyline and what if Cap didn't die in the comic books? What if it was Iron Man instead? And they tell a different story, and it's one book. It's like 30-something pages, so it's a little bit longer, and it's just one story. Well, that's what they do with this in an animated form. So you get half-hour episodes of What If... Nebula joined the the Nova Corps. What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes? That sort of stuff. But they gave us this season three or four episodes with Captain Carter, who we got introduced to in the first season. It's interesting because I said to Steven, I feel like this whole season was based off of female, powerful female characters, which... They seem to only be able to do in animated form without people losing their minds about it, which is just ridiculous and enraging. It is ridiculous. Um, I, I I agree. And I really, it makes me wonder what they're, if they're going to then do something actually with Peggy Carter, because season one of What If wasn't having like an overall like I feel like purpose or storyline whereas season two not only had seemingly an overall story arc that sort of culminated at the end as well yeah they and it was around female characters Peggy Carter Black Widow they also created a Native American female character specifically for what if 
Yes. So are are they going to do something with that? I don't know. And As a female, like, I don't, I don't want to say a female fan of Marvel because, like, that's I'm not like the person to speak to that. But I feel like I'm not going to be satisfied if you think that I'm going to be okay if you just toss me some animated female characters. No, they need the live action. Like, I'm not just going to be like, oh, okay, I'm good now because you tossed me some chicks that you drew for me and made cartoons out of them. I'm all set now. Thank you. Yeah. Like, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. No, you need. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Did I like the characters? Yes. And that Native American character then circled back in the, like, finale of What If? And it was this whole culmination of something. And I'm like, if you're not going to do something more with this, what was the point of all of this? Yeah. Why create a character just for this? So, uh, the What If stories are told by the Watcher. We got that. He's like a big old sky baby with this big old head. He's an alien. I cannot stand this thing. His his whole job is to reminds me of the dancing baby from Alien McBeal. If anyone is recalls this thing, he his job is to watch, not get involved. Well, in the first season, he gets involved by getting a team together to protect the multiverse. Um, and in season two, he has to do something to help. Captain Carter because she gets pulled out of her universe and into another and turns out we find out in an episode that it's actually Doctor Strange that's messing with her yeah but we also find out like he narrates all the time and then all of a sudden she's like you know I can hear you yeah and we're like oh apparently for some reason Peggy can always hear when he's just some some sort of bond I can hear you when you know right she says some word like real weird in it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, is that a British pronunciation? Because it sounds very strange. Um, I, but the thing is, is that they really uh, brought a few characters back in the finale, just like they did the first season. They brought back Hela. Um, they brought back Kahori, the, the uh, Native yeah, American. That's her name, yeah. Um, they brought back Doctor Strange and uh, Captain Carter, and they culminated in something that was very cool. Um, in which you get Captain Carter and the Watcher, the Watcher going, well, I'm just supposed to avert, you know, I'm just supposed to observe and not get involved. And Captain Carter's like, well, I'm not you. Yeah. I'm getting involved. If you hadn't called me the first time, then we wouldn't even be having this conversation because there wouldn't be a multiverse. Yeah, if you hadn't gotten so, involved the first time. Yeah, so we're getting involved. Now, the cool thing was is that early on in the show, the Watcher always, he's outside of the universes, and he can see the universes like they're TV screens in yeah. front of him, but with no, uh, what do you call it, with with no outside borders on the screens. They're mm-hmm. just all meshed together. Um, and he can see this stuff. But we started seeing a green hue coming in through the multiverse, which was really cool because I was like, huh, I feel like that's related to Loki. And by the end of What If, we get that, yes, it's completely related to Loki because we get the finale of Loki shown to us almost once again. Not not completely, but we get that last shot that we got out of Loki. We get that as a part of What If, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Um, So that makes me think of like tying something in. Yep. And they should. They should tie something in. It's already greenlit which, for a third which season. Which then sort of takes away some of the what ifness. 
It does, um, but it doesn't because some of the stories, I mean, we don't hear from anybody again. Like the first episode was what if Nebula, Nebula yeah. joined the Nova Corps? She, that I, was a story. Because I do like the anthology part of it. Yeah, some yeah. of the stories are just, that's just what they are. Uh, what if Iron Man crashed into the Grand Master? They, they told the story basically of Iron Man being on Ragnarok instead of... Or being on Scar instead of uh, Thor and Hulk being on Scar, which was pretty cool. Um, what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper, which was basically telling the uh, fight in New York with Captain Carter instead of Captain America. Then the Winter Soldier storyline with uh, with Captain Carter and Steve Rogers instead of Cap and Bucky. And then the, the Black Widow storyline. As well. So, yeah. like, they took three of the movies that we've seen in live action and gave us this alternate twist, which I think that's the best part about What If, is giving us something that we already know a little bit and then turning it on its side and going, well, look at it now. What if they had decided what Echo was going to be before they put it on the screen and gave it to us? Where are you going with that? Going into Echo. Echo. <laughs> That series we watched uh, in one day. It's five episodes, and it's a spinoff from Hawkeye. And if you didn't watch Hawkeye, they give you kind of a the first episode, the first like five or ten minutes. They kind of give you a good recap of her existence before this show. Yeah, um, and they do a good job with that. I, it's a show in which um, I'll read this stat because I thought this was a fun stat. Um, the Echo team was animate that the show get American Sign Language right. Many of the crew took lessons. Shots were blocked so that both faces and signs were in the frame. And deaf staff were hired in almost every aspect of production, including the lead, um, who is also deaf. So, you were going to say. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it was correct to sign language. I appreciate it was correct to Native American culture. I just feel like it was all over the place. I feel like what what are you what story are you telling me here? Like what are we doing here? Are we a story of like revenge and getting back at someone for a murder or are we a story of learning about our heritage and our power? Because I don't think we had enough time to tell both stories. Yeah. That. I think that we did not. If we're, I don't know why we felt the need to cram everything into this five episode, short episode situation. If we were going to do all of that, I feel like what story did you guys want to tell? I think you were respectful to Native American culture. You made a point to say that in your credits and everything. Great. Sign language. Great. It w all that seemed well done from my perspective, but I was like, what story are we telling here? And I don't think that they told either one of them fully enough for me. Um, I would definitely say with the heritage, I don't think they told enough. And I was very interested in that one. Yeah. That one, I would have rather heard. I would have rather seen that story first and had like a second season about the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Because if anything, that's what's more interesting to me. We've seen all this other stuff a million times, especially with Marvel. We've seen, I, I've said it a million times. You've had to hear it. I am so freaking sick of Wilson Fisk. I am so sick of Kingpin. 
I'm sick of him. <laughs> he cannot be killed. Like she shot him in the freaking face. She shot him in the eye. And he literally looks like he had a bug bite. And like nothing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I she wasn't her character wasn't fleshed out enough for me. It just it was it was all just too much and not deep enough with anything for my opinion. And that Native American stuff, the like mystical part, that was cool. I was like, give me more of this. Like, and then all of a sudden her mom's there. Like what? Like, give me, give me more of this. Yeah. That was so cool. And that could have been like a really cool, powerful show. Five episodes on that in and of itself. I, I do like the fact that um, you you finally got your answer in, like, the fourth episode as to why Kingpin never learned. You didn't get your answer as to why he didn't learn sign language, but you got Maya Lopez telling him. Fine. You can- oh, I was losing my mind. Yeah. He goes as far as to make so- – he has been with this chick since she was a child. She has been hearing impaired this whole time. He loves her like he's her daughter. He has never freaking learned sign language. He goes so far as to forcefully put a contact in her eye and have some sort of fancy technology in his ear to where he can do some sort of speaking and the ear technology translates to give her some visual of some sort of graphic of sign language so he, she can understand him talking. As opposed to the man just freaking learning ASL. (laughs) And she finally says, you love me so much you could never even learn sign language. And I'm like thinking this whole time, you could never learn sign language. Yeah. Throughout the show, he's hiring translators, ASL people, and then they're just taking him off down the plastic hallway and killing him. Yeah. What? Because you can't, you're you big fat headed bozo. You can't just learn sign language. (laughs) Um, so to, I, I was getting riled up about that. She was for sure. I enjoyed the show. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Maya shows up again. I wouldn't say it was like the best thing that Marvel's put out. No. Um, would I, would I watch it again? Yeah, probably. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it. Um, you'll watch it again because you watch everything again. Yeah. Well, I'll watch it again, but, uh, I, I found it hard to connect to her. My, my question for you. Oh boy is what would Vincent D'Onofrio's character from uh, Criminal Intent, what would he say about Kingpin? Bobby Gorn would not be happy with him at all. He would take him down. You think so? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Go after him. Yeah. No holds barred. Take him down. Huh. Interesting. He'd probably need Matt Murdock and a good lawyer to go after him. No, he's smart. He could. Is he? Clever. Speaking of which, uh, a couple of casting of uh, notes that I've read about rumors, that is. Uh, the Daredevil show that they are working on and filming, there is rumors that from the Netflix show, uh, the lady that played Karen Page, which is Deborah Ann Wall, and the guy who played uh, Fozzie. Fozzie? Froggy? Foggy. Foggy. Foggy Nelson of Murdoch and Nelson. Um, they have both been... Uh, they are uh, rumored to be returning to the Daredevil series, of which when I read that rumor, I went, you can't have Daredevil. If you're going to have 
uh, the guy coming back to play Matt Murdock from Netflix, you better have the other two because otherwise it's not going to make sense. I mean, no offense to Foggy, but at least Karen. Yeah. Karen was like the best. She's amazing. She's yeah. an amazing actress, and yeah. how she doesn't get work blows my mind. Yeah, she was great. She's talked about that, about how when Daredevil was over, like, she, she got no calls. And then yeah. they called, then, you know, Disney called her, or Netflix at the time called her to do Punisher, and she's like, all right, I'll show up for a couple episodes of Punisher, cool. But, like, she couldn't get work. And I was like, how is that even possible? This, yeah. this actress is amazing. So there's that rumor. The other rumor, and I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but the other rumor is that a lady by the name of Vanessa Kirby is going to be playing Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four opposite of Pedro Pascal. I'm still not happy about that casting with him. I don't know where they're going with that casting, if I'm being honest. I, I, But I didn't know where they were going with him being in Last of Us, and he completely proved, proved me uh, to be crazy because he was perfect for the role in Last of Us. Uh, but yeah, Vanessa Kirby is rumored at this point. I don't know if it's confirmed... Mm-hmm. Uh, but she is rumored to be uh, Sue Storm in the next Fantastic Four movie coming out in two years. All right, or folks. Well, year. if anyone has watched uh, Aquaman, Loki, Echo, or What If, let us know what you what you think. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If we can just say at gmail.com. Like, listen, subscribe. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Have them tell their friends and so on and so forth. And like and such as... Yep. Thank you for listening. Go Lions. Go. That's it. I was going to say Tigers. Like, just up as a knee jerk. I don't even know. I said, hey, Tigers. No. <laughs> no. I believe that's all we can say this week. That is. Bye, y'all.